0: Hello there, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. Welcome aboard today. The title of the episode is Hope for Hard Times, Episode 20, The Priority of Spiritual Growth. It's the episode for Sunday, November 20th, 2023. Well, as we've seen in our study of 1 Peter, previous to our study here of 2 Peter, true Christians will most likely go through suffering and persecution. In fact, the Lord promised that believers in Christ to one degree or another will face troubles or tribulation. So that's tribulation with a small T, not like the great tribulation in the book of the Revelation. But Christians who love the Lord, and love his word, we will face our share of trouble in this world. And sometimes that can be quite intense as it is for many brothers and sisters in Christ around the world today, literally, right now. Brothers and sisters in Christ are suffering and being persecuted. And as we've mentioned before, the warning signs are all there. It's coming to the West, which has been relatively uh, protected, I guess you would say, from persecution and suffering for the cause of Christ. But we can see that the culture has clearly shifted the previously, uh, the previous Christian culture or the memory of a Christian culture, as Dr. Francis Schaefer would put it, is gone, is simply gone. There are many that still remember that and and live by that. But increasingly, our culture in the West, I'm talking about Europe, the United States, uh, places like Australia and so forth that have a a Western-based civilization which Christianity is massively impacted, we are realizing that, hey, uh, (laughs) things are changed. And it's probably going to get a lot harder before the rapture of the church whenever that comes. Well, in 2 Peter, we know that the Christians will struggle with the issues of truth and error. Now, you know, if there's if you you chart out a course, lay out a course for a, a journey at sea, so you have that course laid in, or maybe you're on the Starship Enterprise, and you're Mr. Sulu, and you've laid in a course for Regulon 3 or something like that. It, when, you, when you plan a trip, even a tiny course deviation can have massive consequences. I mean, the most minute error in the direction you set when you start can put you miles to hundreds of miles to thousands of miles off course at the end of the trip. And that is a great concern today within the church where very few comparatively are even familiar with the Bible, much less study it. Well, how do you tell the true from the false? Well, let's look at the the role of bank tellers. You know how bank tellers historically, I don't know how they're trained now, but historically how they were trained to spot counterfeit money? You think they went to some seminar or school for three weeks and dealt with counterfeit money and began to learn all the ins and outs of it? No, that's not what they do. Bank tellers are trained only with the real thing. Therefore, when someone passes some funny money, they, they feel it, they see it, they sense it because it's not like the real thing. Now, how do we do that in the church? Well, as Christians who love the Lord Jesus Christ and love his word, we have to become extremely familiar with real truth, the real truth of the Bible. That requires, and it will actually help us grow in spiritual maturity as a Christian. Now, if you're thinking, well, I'm pretty much the same Christian today, 23 years later, as I was when I prayed that prayer, walked the aisle, asked Jesus into my heart, or prayed the sinner's prayer. That is cause for alarm. If there's not been life change that you recognize and others recognize, I didn't say you became a saint overnight, but if if you can't see and those who know you the best can't see that there's a, a new direction in your life, there's a change in your life, if they can't see and you can't see that you've actually been born again, that you... You've truly been saved, where once you were lost, but now you're saved. And you're not perfect, but the, the direction and the course of your life is in, in the direction God would have it go, and you could see that you're growing. If you're taking your pulse right now and saying, I'm not feeling anything, I'm not sure you're saved. You could be, but I'm not going to overwhelm you with assurance. You need to find out if you're actually born again, if you are a real Christian. So for those of you in that boat, that's your main assignment today. And I'm going to give you a phone number at the end of this episode that you can call and someone can help you with that. But for others who are professing Christians, you know that you know that you know that you know the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, although you're not perfect, you can see the changes that have come into your life when the Lord Jesus Christ became your Savior and Lord, and you were born again. And you can see that you are progressing from, you know, maybe day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, decade to decade. You can see a, a progression in your spiritual growth and your spiritual maturity. But I'm here to tell you. There is and needs to be a priority about spiritual growth, and we're gonna look at the priority of spiritual growth in this episode. Now, I've got good news. If you're actually born again, if you're a real Christian, Jesus Christ is your savior and Lord, you are in the word of God, and you are growing in your knowledge of Christ and of his word, I've got great news for you. We are already given all that we need to grow, and we saw that last week in the episode as we began sucking Peter. So if you missed that episode, go back to the one before this, listen to it, and you'll see a little bit about that. So that's the good news. It's not like, oh, I need to grow. However, am I going to do that? Well, it's really not, this is hard to explain. It's really not you that grows yourself, it's that you, um, you open yourself. You cooperate with the Lord who grows you. But if you're always too busy to get into the Word of God or seek the Lord in prayer or even ponder spiritual things, it's going to be hard for you to grow. So you've got to make yourself open and available, and 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 He will help you grow. But it's. Um, Like we said last week, it's not let go and let God. It's more like take hold with God. That is cooperate with him in your growth through all the things that you're already given in Christ that will help you grow. So you know what that means? None of us have a room for an excuse. There are no excuses. Amen. There's not. If you're saying, well, I haven't really grown very much. Now, listen, if you became a Christian three weeks ago, we're not, we're not pounding on you like, why aren't you Billy Graham yet? We're not doing that. <laughs> so if you're a brand new Christian, you're a brand new Christian. We understand that. But if you're a Christian and you have not grown very much in the last year or two or five years or any whatever it is, you need to get with it, because it, once you see the priority of spiritual growth, you'll be on it, because you know that pleases your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, there's a great preacher and writer from about a decade and a half ago. I mean, ancient history here we're talking about, folks. Not really, but that's the way youngsters are getting it. Anyway, it was a a while back, but there was a pastor, I believe in England, named F.B. Meyer. He said this about what we're going to look at today. I'm quoting F.B. Meyer, a great English preacher. There are two ways of entering a port. A ship may come in waterlogged and crazy, just kept afloat by continual working at the pumps, or it may enter with every sail set, her pennon floating at the masthead. The latter is what the apostle desires for himself and those he addresses. He desired that an entrance abundant should be ministered unto them, and we'll see that in what we read today. F.B. Meyer also wrote, that the idea of an abundant entrance was really a choral entrance. Think back to high school and chorus and the choral group that you weren't good enough to get in, and that's just ruined your life since then. Well, maybe you were good enough to get in it, I don't know. But you know about choral activities in high school and universities and all of that, you know, a choir, okay, singers. All right, so F.B. Meyer also wrote that the idea of an abundant entrance was really a choral entrance. The idea was of a Roman conquering general coming into his city, welcomed by singers and musicians who would join him in a glorious, happy procession into the city. Now, will you, this is F.B. Meyer writing here. Will your entrance into heaven be like that? Will you enter it or uh, save so as by fire or to receive a reward? Will you come unrecognized and unknown or be welcomed by scores and hundreds to whom you have been the means of blessing and who will wait you? That's a great set of questions and illustrations here. All right, let's go to 2 Peter. We're still in chapter 1. We're going to look today quickly at verses 5 through 12. And I want you to keep this in mind. And if you missed the episode before this, you got to go back and listen to it. So this makes even more sense. So we're in 2 Peter 5, verses 5 through 12. But because of 2 Peter 1, verses 1 through 4... Because of what we heard last week that the Lord has done for us, we must do 2 Peter 1 verses 5 through 12. Do you does that make sense to you? And and we have everything we need to do it. That's great. So 2 Peter chapter 1, let's go to verse 5. And beside this, that is everything that's preceded it. And beside this, giving all diligence, this means you get all over this. I mean, you are on this, you are, you are busy about this. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now that add to your faith means um, super add. It means to even more than just your faith, Add to your faith, and what's the faith, by the way? I think it probably is alluding to the fact that the, the listeners and readers of 2 Peter have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, they exercise faith in him even by doing that and trust him for the things they need. But I, probably the, the thing is here, Add to your faith, that is, I think, your faith in Christ, although it could also include uh the the faithing of him, the trusting of him. Add to your faith virtue. Now, what does this mean? It's I would describe it as a moral rightness. It's a you know, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and you're born again, your life starts getting cleaned up. It's not so much that you clean it up, although there's uh, that whole idea of take hold with God. But when you come to faith in Christ, he will bring things to your heart and mind that he wants to address in you and around you, and you start to see your life being cleaned up. And that's a good thing. That is a very good thing. So your life, uh, maybe not like 100% the first day you're saved, but there's start to be obvious evidence that, you're, that your faith is leading to a change in your life. So add to your faith virtue and to virtue, knowledge. Now this knowledge is a special knowledge. And by the way, you should ask the question, well, where would I find that? I can tell you a good place to find it. It's the Bible, the Word of God. As you begin to read the Bible, and as some of you are not great l- readers, do what I started doing, where through uh, Bible Gateway, you can listen to the Bible, you know, audio, is free, and uh, I listen to the King James Version. That's what I grew up with and I love it. It's the most majestic translation of the Bible in the English language there's ever been. I mean, it's absolutely majestic. And I don't have any problem listening to that. And I'm not, uh, I don't want to get into all that. But anyway, that's what I listen to. But you can listen to the Bible on Bible Gateway for free, and just turn everything off, sit somewhere, close your eyes and listen to it. But listen, add to your faith virtue and to virtue, knowledge. Now, the Lord's gonna give you knowledge of himself and of the circumstances in your life and of spiritual things. But the IV drip for that, the main line for that is the word of God. I mean, that's what comes to my mind when I think about that, but it, he will give you that special knowledge as you pursue it, okay? Take hold with God. It's not about, okay, God, zap me. Come on. This is the Christian life we're talking about here. Verse six, and to knowledge temperance. What is temperance? It's self-control. Many people's lives, before they come to Christ, are characterized by major <laughs> major failures in self-control. And it could be in anything. It, it can fill in a blank there. It could even be shopping. But it's probably hundreds of things. But guess what? When we come to faith in Christ, probably, The Lord is going to put his finger on that thing eventually and say, we need to to get this under my control. And when the Lord brings it through your obedience under his control, you start realizing that somehow I have self-control in whatever areas that you struggle in that. But that, that is a, a big mark of coming to faith in Christ. And I'm just going to pick one that's just an obvious thing. Um, you know, around the world, this is an obvious thing, and it's a big problem, is uh, drinking alcohol. A lot of people's lives before they come to Christ, and a lot of people are drunks before they come to Christ, and alcoholics. Drunkards, the Bible calls it, but when they come to Christ, and it might it might be that same day. I've heard many testimonies of that, as they never went back to the bottle ever again. Praise God. But for other people, it seems to be that this is a a stronghold that the Lord breaks for them and and with them as they cooperate and eventually. And I I don't even know the timing of all that. I'm just saying that you may realize that you now have power, self-control in an area you never had it before you met Christ. Or he may be speaking to you about that in some area. But a person who's actually born again, part of their spiritual growth is they'll begin to realize like, huh, I'm not under the power of fill in the blank. I'm not under the power of that anymore. And it's because Jesus Christ is building self-control in you. And to temperance, patience. Now, patience, this is a great Greek word. It means bearing up under a heavy load. It's crushing you, but you're able to bear up under it. Some difficult circumstance, or it may even be a difficult person, something that if you could do your own thing, you would run out from under the load. But the right thing is to bear up under the load in the strength of the Lord. Amen. And you find yourself that you're able to do that. This is, this is endurance. And especially for people who are being persecuted and suffering directly for their faith and allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God. You find there's an ability in in your life that you didn't create, God created it in you. And really, I want you to think of it like this, it's not really that you are all alone bearing up under the load. You are bearing up under the load and Jesus is with you. Amen. He's in you, helping you bear up. So let's read what we've, we've seen so far. And beside all this, giving all diligence and to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. Let me put it this way. And I'm going, going to go into all the Greek word and all of that. Let me, let me say it this way when you're born again and you begin to cooperate with God in the priority of spiritual growth growing as a christian where you know next month you're not exactly like you were the day you got saved and a year from now you're you're way different than when you first got saved and and so on and you can see it and others can see it Yeah, somebody needs to be discipling you, by the way, and encouraging you and helping you. And and they will tell you, wow, I can just see that you've grown so much in the Lord. You might not be able to see it, by the way, because you're you and you're inside you and you can't see you. Did you know that? (laughs) But your pastor and Sunday school teacher, your deacon, friends within the church, maybe a Bible study group. You might not be able to see it, and you may tend to put yourself down, but they may say, oh no, you are really growing in the Lord, and that's a wonderful thing. But what does it mean uh, that we add to our patience godliness? This, this hit me today. This probably works for you. Your life more and more reminds people of your Lord. Your life more and more reminds people of your Lord, or you the short version. Write this down. This is pretty good, and I didn't think it up. It just hit me. I think God put this in my brain. Your life reminds people of your Lord. Now, sometimes we realize, wow, in that encounter, my life didn't remind anybody of the Lord. It reminded them of Lucifer. Don't do that. Get, get in your spiritual growth, even though it may seem slow to you, get to where your life reminds people of your Lord. Like when you're tempted to, to say it, just hold your tongue. It's like I heard the pastor say today at church, God put two, two protections to keep our tongue in check, we have teeth in front of our tongue and uh, lips over our teeth. Just don't say it, and that would be a big victory. He said, "But but I'd be right to say it. Yeah, but it might not it might not sit well right now. So remind people of your Lord. Be giving, forgiving, rather, and gracious, and uh, that will that will help remind people." When they see your life, it will remind people of your Lord. So uh, just like it says, add to your faith virtue, same idea, add to your patience, that very same idea. It says, and to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. This is the word where we our English word, a good idea here, a good concept might be that we're kin, we're now in the same family. We we belong to the same family. You know, wherever I go and whatever I'm doing, I often meet and see people and observe people, and I think to myself, you know, I think they're part of the family of God, because they're not like the other 27 people in this room. <laughs> they, there's something different about them. Now, I might be wrong, and I've been wrong before about that, but Many times I'm right about it. I'm, I realize that brother, uh, that, that man or woman is a brother or sister in the Lord and you know, talk with them a little, a little bit and find out that they are indeed believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what, they really are because it impacts how they live on a daily basis. And godliness, brotherly kindness. Say, well, my family wasn't very kind. Well, you know what a kind family is. You've seen them. Even if your family was a bunch of losers. (laughs) I hope they weren't. But you know what, what your family should have been, even if they weren't, all right? So do what you know you wish your family was. Wow, that's pretty deep right there. And to brotherly kindness, charity Now, this means, or does it mean, I'm asking, does it mean that I saw, uh, all of a sudden, I start giving everything I have to goodwill? (laughs) Or I start uh, walking down the street, handing out $100 bills, I'm doing charity, right? That's not the concept here. God may tell you to do something like that, and if he does, do it. If he doesn't tell you to do it, don't go out and do that. But that's not what this word is. The English word, charity, is, is for the Greek word agape. I don't know how. I'm suspecting that Latin was involved somewhere. But anyway, to our brotherly kindness, we need to add charity. That's agape. Well, what is agape? It's a special word that was coined, pretty much, to describe Christians in New Testament times. Did you know that? It began to be associated most closely with followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, agape. And it means a a sacrificial love. Let me make it clearer. It means that you will sacrifice what's best for you to promote what is best for someone else. Probably an example we've all seen is the the wife and mother who works all day long and then she works in the kitchen so hard she bakes a a wonderful apple pie. But a couple of her kids have invited their buddies to come over and eat with your family that night. And guess what? You've seen it, so have I, where everybody gets a piece of pie and mom goes without. We've all seen that. Now, some of those mothers have a martyr complex and they need to get with it (laughs) or plan better. (laughs) But we've all seen, in in true sincerity, we've all seen mothers who have gone without something so that their children, their family could enjoy something, right? That might be a vague representation of agape, You know what the ultimate idea of that is or picture of that is? The Lord Jesus Christ going to the cross to die. He actually became sin for us. He knew no sin, but he became sin for us who know all about sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. We didn't deserve it. He, he did it because we needed it. And he died on the cross taking the wrath of God for our sin. And he rose again victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave on the third day. But that's, that's the ultimate picture of sacrificial love. He even did that for you and I when we were enemies of his. Think about that. Wow. Now, verse eight. Thinking about the the things we've seen, faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, kindness, charity. Thinking about those. For if these things be in you, And abound, it's just the idea of more and more, just overflowing. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And um, in other words, as you see these qualities being developed in you by the Lord, as you cooperate with the Lord and you're making an effort, to grow spiritually, you're going to be very fruitful in, in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the way he uses you in his service. So there's, that's part of the priority because we want to be used in that way by the Lord. So we we head there more quickly the, the more these qualities are developed in our life. Verse 9. But, now think about verse 8, that's all good. Verse 9, that but means there's something different about to be said. But he that lacketh these things is blind. The Greek word is myopazo. We get our English word myopia from that, where we just can't see. It's a spiritual blindness. But he that lacketh these things is blind. Blind, that is spiritually blind. Have you ever been around professing Christians or in a church full of uh, people in it who proclaim that they're saved and they're born again? And many of them may be, but some of them are not. But he that lacketh these things is blind and he cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged, cleansed, is what that word means from his old sins. If you've been around Christians before that were seem to be spiritually blind, like what is up with this guy? What's up with this gal? Why are they such trouble in the church? It's because I think it's one of two things. They're either not born again at all and they're plants by Satan within the church to just just wreck churches. Okay, say, so, well, that couldn't possibly be. Jesus told parables like that about the, the weed and the tares. A tear is a, a weed that actually harms the wheat because it uses the water the wheat would need and the tares grow and choke out the wheat. Or they can, you know, in certain circumstances. But he that lacketh these things is blind. You don't want to be spiritually blind. You don't want to be stumbling around in the church creating all kind of problems and in your family and all of that. You need to grow. That's the priority of spiritual growth. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Like, come on, man, wake up. Verse 10, wherefore the rather You know, we want to be verse eight, not verse nine. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. So we want to do verse 10. So we're like verse nine. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence. This isn't God, um, God's not going to give diligence for me. I'm told to get with it, give diligence. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Some of you right now who are concerned, well, I may not be a Christian. You might not be. I don't know. I can't answer that for you. I don't even know you maybe. But if you're having a lot of doubt, you need to search this out with the Lord's help because you need to make your calling and election sure. And, you know, once you're sure of your salvation, and that may take actually being saved today, but once you're sure of your that God has called you and, and you are saved, then you're going to find that that you will begin your spiritual growth and you're going to be established. You're not going to fall. Verse 11, for so an entrance. Remember F.B. Meyer talking about how a ship could come into port? Remember that? For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. So Peter's explaining that he's going to remind them of what they already know so they can really drill down on this and really grow spiritually and be solid for the Lord Jesus Christ, be real Christians in a very difficult world. And you know, only by being like we've seen are people able to stand against truth and error, against false teachers in the church and truth mockers in the church and outside of it. Now, I told those of you who may not be sure of your salvation or maybe you're here today and you don't have any particular faith or religion you're not a christian write this phone number down i'm going to say it two times 888 888 388 2683 Now, that is a phone number in the United States, and if you're outside the United States, you know how to make it an international call, but that's a phone number for a Christian ministry in America. You can call it, and there will be counselors online uh, during normal American business hours, but maybe all the time. I'm not sure about that, but you can call, and someone will talk with you about your need for Christ, that you need to be saved, and how to be saved, and if someone believes that you are a Christian, but you're, you're not growing like you should, they can help counsel you and provide materials for you to help you grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 888-388-2683. All right, right now, I need you to do something for me. Come on, I need you to like this episode and if you've never done it before I want you to follow the podcast so you're notified when a new episode is put up and I want you to do something else. Where you're listening if you'll look around on the screen you'll see a way to share this podcast with someone else who needs encouragement right now Share it with them, and you'll be a missionary for Jesus Christ. How about that? You'll help establish someone in the faith and help them grow. It's been my joy and pleasure to share this with you today. If I don't die personally and the rapture doesn't come first, I will be back next week with the next episode of Hope for Hard Times. Bye-bye.